In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. Our topic of conversation with our Lord is taken from two messages of St. Jose Maria. A little more focus on him since we will be celebrating his feast day this month, June 26th. And we thank our Lord that he has intervened so that the church make a solemn declaration twice. One through the declaration of beatification where the church guided by the Holy Spirit presents one of his sons or daughters as a role model. In addition to his beatification, he has been canonized. A canonization is an infallible statement of the church, declaring and recognizing, again, that one of her sons or daughters has heroically followed Christ without any possibility of error, that this is infallibly correct that this person has heroically followed Jesus. The Lord has a bit of a sense of humor that maybe 60 years before the canonization of St. Jose Maria, his right-hand man, also who got beatified, Alvaro del Portillo went to Rome to prepare the way for church approval of Opus Dei. The light St. Jose Maria received on October 2nd, 1928. And Blessed Alvaro was told that the spirit of St. Jose Maria had arrived a hundred years too soon. The church was not ready to recognize it and approve it. Those were Vatican officials who said that. Sixty years later, I was there, maybe some of you were there, the city was heavily populated. The trolleys were packed with people, pilgrims, coming from all over the world for this canonization. St. Peter's Square was overflowing with people, so many people that it extended to the shores of the Tiber. And every roof was packed with people. Every window had two or three heads emerging from those windows. Every balcony was packed with people. A sign that our Lord should be followed through his message. Pope Benedict, in his celebrated 
document, exhortation called the Word of God teaches that we need to meditate on the life of Christ not only directly from the Gospels, but also through the saints. Because the saints incarnate the Gospel. Every bit of it. And so Pope Benedict said, contemplate our Lord through those individuals who, who have allowed him to completely mature in their lives. The goal is to be able to say with St. Paul, it is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. The first message, this topic will be on sanctification of work. The next topic will be on sanctification of family life. And St. Maria's claim to fame, why did the Holy Spirit move the church to canonize him? Because the Holy Spirit definitely wants us to encounter Jesus amid work. There's a lot of saints who won't get canonized. But the church does that, or the Holy Spirit does that through the church, because there's something of a role model in that individual. Well, let's look at the sanctification of work. If you've been in touch with Opus Dei, this is a bit old hat, but let's pray about it. What's the message here? That daily life is an arena to deal with Jesus Christ. And that the field for incarnating every word of the gospel is basically my workplace and my family life and parties as well, social relationships. We look at the life of Jesus and Lord, we notice that it took you 30 years of your 33 years here on earth to go public and work miracles. You spent virtually your entire life in a workplace and in a family. The tabernacle during Jesus' hidden life was the carpentry shop or the houses which he repaired or the furniture or the, the they didn't specialize that much in those days. And hence, these commentaries of our Lord, which were a bit disparaging because when he started to go public and appear in the synagogues, his listeners were kind of blown away by it. This is uncharacteristic of Jesus of Nazareth. And notice, and I'll read it, the commentary isn't, well, he did work miracles as a child, now he's doing more of it. God bless him. Or he did give impassioned addresses when he lived in Nazareth. It stands to reason that he's going to continue giving impassioned commentaries on the scriptures. No, that's not the reaction. 
where did this man get all this? What is the wisdom given to him? What mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter? That's the commentary. He's the carpenter. He was known as the carpenter. And he was known as someone who lived in a family, which we'll hit that in the next meditation. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Those aren't literally his siblings. Brothers extended to cousins and even good friends. And St. Maria says here, of Jesus' 33 years, 30 were spent in silence, in obscurity, submission, and work. St. Maria adds, and we want to piggyback on this a little bit, before God, no occupation is in itself great or small. Everything gains value of love with which it is done. The message here, and we'll unpack it a bit, that the normal home for Jesus is at 7-Eleven, is in the classroom, is in the construction of a skyscraper, in a hospital, in a law firm, on a farm, in a repair shop, whether it's a computer repair shop or watch repair shop or a laundry or a, a dry cleaners. Where those, any place work is going on, that workplace ideally should be a chapel. Didn't use those words. But when St. Maria saw the work, saw Opus Dei, basically the message is that the home of Jesus is in the heart of the world through the capillaries of work and family. That ideally the world should be a tabernacle, a chapel, without the pews, without the columns. This begs the question, what does it mean to sanctify my work? What does it mean when St. Jose Maria says that my work should lead to holiness, that I need to find Jesus in my work? What does all that mean? Sounds good, but what does it mean? Well, I know after I pass out of this world, if I'm purified enough, I'm going to see Jesus face to face, but how do I see him in work? When I'm weeding or painting a wall or fixing a toaster, or working at my job. The linchpin here is, who is he? Who is God? What is it, what's the definition of God? St. John gives a one-word definition. The ancient thinkers didn't come close. They got as far as uncaused cause, prime mover. That God is agape. God is self-giving love. That's what agape means. He gives himself. It's mysterious. He, he is love. He doesn't love. He is love. He's infinite, unadulterated, self-giving love. 
That's the radical definition of God. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the incarnation of that radical self-giving love, that infinite self-giving love. And he manifests it in work and in family relations and friendships. Okay. So I encounter Christ to the degree that I exercise self-giving love in my work. And people are driven in this culture. It's ambition, it's power, it's material gain, it's experience of success, of glory, these... No, I have to... The ultimate aim here is to give glory to God and to serve the needs of to serve the needs of others. How do I do this? Well, if, you, if we've been in reading the spirituality of St. Jose Maria or attending the formative act, activities, we hear, offer up your work, offer it up. Of course, that's part of it. But just remaining there is certainly not the whole story. And, and, and just saying, offer it up, impoverishes what sanctification of ordinary work is. And I want to just give a little example. Friends or even acquaintances may say to somebody, listen, I love you. A friend who says to another friend, I love you, that I love you is a much more intensified than an an acquaintance saying to another acquaintance, I love you. It's It's not that the acquaintance doesn't mean it, but it's not to the same intensity as a friend tells another friend, I love you. That intensity of love would increase if two siblings, hopefully, said, I love you. Well, there's a closer relationship there. Hopefully two siblings will have a lot more love to offer each other than two friends. Well, because they're, they have the same mom and dad. A mom saying, I love you to a child has more force than two siblings telling each other they love each other. Two spouses madly in love will have a greater force of love than perhaps a child saying to mom or dad, I love you. So what we see is that depending on the relationship, the force of love grows. So we could be having this, we we need to pray about this for the rest of our lives because love is... As St. Augustine says, either it grows or it diminishes. It has to grow. Again, I ask this question. All right, Lord, fine, great. When two spouses say, I love love you, it's it's more powerful than perhaps a a son addressing mom or dad, uh, more than, you know, brother and sister, more than friend to friend, more than acquaintance. acquaintance. But how, how do I elevate my love for Christ in my work? What, give me the help menu.
Okay. Well, let's look at our Lord again. Because what our Lord's taught in his public life, he did in his private life. And what's key to sanctifying work and finding Christ in work is that we do mental prayer. Because it's not just, Lord, I'm doing this for you. A spouse doesn't want to be loved with acquaintance love or friend love, but spousal love, the highest form of human love. Our Lord doesn't want just a token recognition. He wants that work to be an expression of deep love. So the baseline has to be that I spend time with our Lord in mental prayer. Sounds almost a little counterintuitive. We're talking about work, now you're switching gears to mental prayer. No, if that force of love is going to grow, I need some exclusive time with our Lord. That, that, that's the baseline. St. Maria would say, all right, to sanctify your work, you need to practice the plan of life. It's a plan to share in the life of Jesus, and we know, it's, I'm not going to dwell on it too much, but it's the morning offering, it's mental prayer, it's uh, attending mass, it's saying the rosary, because that puts you in conditions to find Christ in work, that we have this very special rendezvous with him. So that, because what, what is sanctification? It's, it's the spillover of an intense prayer life, an intense Eucharistic life. I, I would liken it to you know, someone learning tennis. Well, you could get an instructor who says, you know, all right, hold that tennis right, you know, keep your arm extended like you're going to shake someone's hand and put your body into it and bend your knees and and now you're learning tennis well to learn tennis you need to get into shape and you need to play the game you need to practice it's not just a question of voila here's the technique in order to sanctify my work and find christ and love christ through my work i need to talk to him and spend exclusive time with him Next point. Again, the public life of Jesus was expressed in his private life. There's two dimensions to sanctifying work, my actual work. One is that I throw myself into it. There's a subjective dimension that I live this greatest of all commandments. Jesus says, The greatest commandment is to love God with your whole heart. So whether I am planting tomatoes or making a breakthrough in Alzheimer's research, I need to put my heart into what I'm doing. Hence in the way, heroism at work is to be found in finishing it. The love, we measure the value of work in the eyes of God by the love we put into it. So that, that, that's subjective dimension. 
someone who's just a, you know, they're an endangered species who lived in the same building as St. Jose Maria. And uh, he was working in a courtyard. Rome buildings have many little courtyards in Rome. And he noticed St. Jose Maria's light was on in his office. It's a little thing. And even in his lifetime, people realized he was a saint. So this gentleman was uh, looking into his window. He was supposed to be watering plants and sweeping the courtyard. And he just noticed that he was there for a couple of hours and did not move from his work. Because what he wanted, that he look out the window, that he give him a wave, they, you know, say a few things. <coughs> but he was completely immersed in you know, writing or preparing something and hardly coming up for air. And the message he, was, he drew from that is, wow, how immersed he was in what he was doing, that he was making a big deal about what he was doing. And we, we, so that's number one. Number two, part of sanctifying my work with the backdrop of mental prayer and the Eucharistic piety and the rosary, because if I don't do, again, if I don't do that, I may do good work, but it's going to be to feather my ambition or to have a sense of accomplishment or impress my superiors. It won't be out of love for our Lord. But let's presume that the baseline is there. We should try to make it objectively the best. We can, the best. Will it become the best? There's only one person could be the best. But we should try to make it the best. And I like that earthy miracle Jesus worked, the first miracle he worked. It's a little bit, it wasn't, you know, smooth sailing. Mary really had to twist his arm. But he's work, he turns water into wine in abundance. And in those primitive times, celebrations would be week long. They weren't as they weren't as busy as we are today, so they really knew how to party. And the custom, it's in the gospel, is to serve the inferior, inferior wine later on when you couldn't appreciate good wine anymore, because maybe you had a little bit too much. And so you save the inferior wine for later so people can't distinguish between good wine and inferior wine. And the head waiter, or the one hosting the reception or party said, hey, this is very uncharacteristic. This is not very usual to serve the very good wine later on. And even after partying and being tired, we're not going to say people were drunk, but people were less attuned to good wine, it still was noticed. This is real good wine. And uh, I don't know, the multiplication of the loaves and the fish. There were 12 baskets of food left over. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't say, see how powerful I am? Pick up, gather that food. 
and put it, put it in those baskets. He's, in, he, he's really into detail. Instead of, you know, he could have left the scraps. People were not into picking up litter in those days. But our Lord said, no, you know, gather all the leftovers. So I, I need to do it that way. So I, and our Lord does mention, he doesn't explicitly mention work, but he says, love God with whole heart. And I would say that's whole mind, whole strength. And I ask you in the presence of our Lord, I asked our Lord in, in his presence, well, how do I love you, Lord, with my whole mind and whole heart, whole soul, whole strength? Throw yourself into your work and try to make it the best you can. And give it to me. Do it for me. Offer it for me. And the more, and that's, and when I love our Lord through my work, when I pray through my work, that's what work is in this case, I'm being transformed into Christ. And our Lord wants us to take this seriously. Otherwise, St. Jose Maria wouldn't have been canonized so quickly. St. Therese also prepared the way for teachings on theology of work. She says, if you don't find Jesus amid pots and pans, you know, washing them, you're not going to find him. Is that so we have to find him? And, that, and so she would, whatever it was, polishing a doorknob, cooking a meal. She'd have that heightened awareness, I'm doing it for him. And so I want to do the same thing, Lord. You want to be present in my workplace. Help me really desire to turn my work into prayer and help me make an effective resolution. And I invoke you, Mary, to pray for me and us as well. St. Maria reminds us that when Jesus was stripped of his garment, the tunic had no seam. And we see a display of good work done by the Blessed Mother. Mary, pray for us so that we find your Son amid our ordinary work. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.